Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You know, there are storms that can come at us that we didn't plan on. And yet, it's at these times that we need to be reminded that our Heavenly Father's eyes are upon us. And that He is listening to us, even in the midst of the storm. Let me share a little story with you. A little boy in the Midwest was looking forward to going to his friend's birthday party. And his friend lived only a few blocks away from his house. And when the day finally arrived, well, a snowstorm arrived as well. It made it a little bit too hazardous to really be driving vehicles. You don't want to fall into the ditch. Well, the little boy was insistent. He says, Dad, all oh, my buddies are going to be there. I'm being, I just, Dad, it's not that far. I can just walk there. And his dad says, son, this, this isn't a storm that you want to walk in. It's pretty serious. He says, Dad, I'm a big boy. I can handle this. Let me go. And his dad finally said, okay. So he bundled all up, got his gloves, his hat, you know, got his jacket and his big boots on, and he got his present. And off he went. And finally, it took him, well, over a half hour, which probably should have only taken maybe 10 minutes or so. He finally got to the the house. He got up to the porch and he rang the doorbell and he turned around. And behind him, he saw the figure of his father. There he was, his dad. I love that. I like the idea of a father who would allow his son to tackle something incredibly difficult, even in the midst of a storm, but who at the same time would make sure that he as the father was right there watching, that he was within earshot if his son was to cry out for help. That's the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. Now, with that in mind, I want us to read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. So today, let's look at some of the key thoughts to remember from this verse. Number one, His eyes are a are watching over us. I love what Psalm says. We'll look at verses 1 and 3, and then we'll go to 13 and 14. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You know, my wife read this psalm to our grandson this past week. Psalm 139. And I... I look at it and it says how wonderfully complex, how you knit my body and, and, and knit me together. My, and we just, and I, I'm reminded like, 
Calvin's got a little birthmark right here. He's got one on his finger. And I'm only a grandfather. How much more does God know you than this ordinary grandpa? See, the psalmist says that God created us and that God knows us. It's an intimate knowledge. Our Heavenly Father knows us even better than we know ourselves. And His eyes are upon us. He is aware of the frustrations that cause fatigue in our soul. He's aware of our dreams that we've dared to dream, even when everyone else has doubted. The fear that troubles us or the joys that fill our hearts. And in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4, God says again to His people, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. Hey, don't be laughing. <laughs> I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. What wonderful words from our Heavenly Father. And in the midst of all that, that complicates our lives, remember this simple but marvelous truth. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And because they are, be assured that He also, His ears are open to their prayers. Well, let's look at number two. His ears are open to our prayers. Her name is Katie Jones, and she wrote, One morning I overslept. Then while rushing around the kitchen, I spilled a glass of orange juice all over the counter. After that, I got stuck behind a slow driver, and I was late to work. When I got to work, of course it was hectic. The phone was ringing. The computer kept freezing up. Customers were waiting, and there was a stack of orders to be filled. She said, I was anxious. So I took a deep breath, and I said a quick prayer. I said, dear Jesus, please calm me. And help me adjust my attitude. I started ringing up customers in the pharmacy. That would be $3.16, sir. She goes, $3.16. She thought of John 3.16. It popped into her mind. Later, I picked up a bottle of medicine. And the number on the stock, on the stock label said 316. Could it be a coincidence? That afternoon, I looked at the clock to see what time it was. It was 3.16. Again, I whispered John 3.16 and gave Jesus thanks for His grace. That crazy morning at the pharmacy changed me, she said. When I asked Jesus to change my attitude, He reminded me that He loved me enough to die for me so that I could even have eternal life. I don't ever want to forget that. Now I set my phone alarm to 3.16 p.m. every afternoon. And when I see the number 3.16, I thank Jesus for His love. Jesus constantly reminds us to focus on Him. He wants our thoughts anchored on His mercy and on His grace. 
He etches his words upon our hearts because he wants us to remember just how much he loves us. Well, let's listen again to the Apostle Peter. Again, that, that verse, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. We all call, we all can be sure that God is eagerly waiting for us to come to Him, to talk to Him, to lay before Him all of our heaviness, our hearts, our dreams, our fears, our uncertainties. John MacArthur, famous minister, uh, in a sermon called Praying for the Right Things, he said this. He said, sadly, the prayers of most Christians are directed toward the wrong stuff. The prayers are often misdirected, shorthanded, and, well, selfish. People typically pray for health and happiness and success. They pray for personal benefit. They pray for comfort. They pray for the heal, their bodies to be healed, or a home, or, or food, or a job, or a car, a husband, a wife, a promotion, or for more money. Now, those things, while they certainly make up a big part of our lives, were very low on the priority list of the Apostle Paul. Listen to what Paul tells the Christians in the city called Thessalonica, what he's praying for them. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you, Asking our God to enable you to live life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. <laughs> Paul is telling them that he himself and Silas and Timothy are constantly praying for them. For them to be living lives pleasing to God, worthy of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And that God would be able to use their attitudes and their actions as living witnesses of God's love. So not only are the eyes of the Lord on, on the righteous and His ears attentive to their prayers, Peter also says that the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Here's number three. There have been times that God the most definitely has most definitely intervened in the course of human history when they were oppressed or under attack. And Jesus himself taught us to pray, asking God to deliver us from evil. God delivered his people in miraculous ways from oppression and slavery in Egypt. There in Exodus 14, we won't look at it right now. From the pursuing Egyptian armies there at the Red Sea. And God parted the Jordan River in Joshua chapter 3. God flattened the walls of Jericho in Joshua 6. There before the children went into the promised land in Canaan. And again and again, God intervened. And from Gideon's victory to the death of 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in just one night when they were besieging Jerusalem. 
2 Kings chapter 19. To Daniel in the lion's den, again in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the fiery furnace. God's power has been evident when His people cried out for help. In fact, I'm convinced that there is evidence that God intervened in the formation of the United States of America. Our founding fathers, they knew how to pray. They were known to be men of prayer. And God answered their prayers. Let me give you an example. It's August the 27th, 1776. Not long after the Declaration of Independence was signed. And George Washington and his Continental Army of only 8,000 found themselves trapped at the water's edge of the East River near Brooklyn, New York. Now, 20,000 of the finest battle-hardened British soldiers were poised to attack. And Washington's little army was trapped. And the Revolutionary War was going to be over almost before it had even begun. But for some reason, the British delayed their attack, possibly waiting for the rest of the fleet to arrive so that that would close them up and secure the trap. But suddenly it began to rain, and a strong northeast wind arose, preventing those ships, those British ships, from sailing. When night fell, Washington began to evacuate all of his men. In a small little boat, they would literally row across the one mile straight away. One, two, three boats, one after another, one after another. Well, finally, night came. And the morning approached, and he knew that his small boats would soon be easily spotted and become easy targets for the British artillery. But just as the sun dawned, An unusual dense fog formed and visibility dropped to just six yards. The fog remained in place until the very last boat, which was now carrying George Washington himself, set off across the river. Then the fog suddenly lifted and the British were stunned to see that on the other shore there were no men. The guns fired at Washington's boat in the river, but it was so far out of range it did nothing. And not a man of the Continental Army was lost that day. Of course, some would say that that just is a lucky break. And of course, there's no proof that God had anything to do with that sudden rain or the unusual dense fog. But that's not how the Continental Army soldiers viewed it as they wrote into their own diary, one diary after another, after another, how God intervened and how his providence was upon them, that nobody was lost that night because of the hand of God. And I believe that the God who can intervene then can intervene for us today. But will God continue to bless America? Should He? God has said in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, 
Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal and restore their land. Folks, that's one thing I can say about 2020 that's been so wonderful. If there's anything wonderful about 2020, is that the Christian believer throughout this land has prayed more than maybe they've prayed in a very long time. Church after church has prayed 2 Chronicles 7.14. And we need to be more faithful and more fervent even now. Folks, if there's ever been a time for fervent prayer, it is now. If ever there's a time when people of God should be united in prayer, it is now. It is clear that the current executive orders that are being signed by this new administration are anti-Judeo-Christian. On January the 3rd, Congress opened up with prayer, as they have for ages. He's a Methodist minister. His name is Chaplain Emmanuel Cleaver. And he closed with this statement. And I quote, We ask in the name of the monolithic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths, a man and a woman. Folks, I don't even know where to go with all that. First of all, when you say Brahma, Brahma is a Hindu god. A gold figure with multiple heads, faces, to try to show that it can see in many different ways. Monolithic, are you talking the Jewish or the Christian God? Are you talking the Islamic God? Who are you talking about? I, I thought we'd never see a day where this was very polyethic. This is many gods instead of just one God. And so it was very sad to see that. But let me take you back to 1774. This is the convocation. This is the prayer of our first, first Continental Congress. And the author here of this prayer, he's a minister by the name of Jacob Duche. And he opens up and says this, I quote, O Lord, our Heavenly Father, high and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, who do from thy throne behold all the dwellers on earth and reignest and with power supreme and uncontrolled over all the kingdoms, empires, and governments. Look down in mercy, we beseech thee, on these our American states, who have fled to thee from the rod of the oppressor and thrown themselves on thy gracious protection, desiring to be henceforth dependent only on thee. This was written two years before the Declaration. Let me, let me go to the close of how he closes that prayer. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, 
thy Son and our Savior. Amen. What a contrast. What a contrast of how to pray. Church, will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning confessing that we are sinners. Asking your forgiveness and seeking your direction, your guidance and protection in our lives, in our nation. Father, you have told us that that your eyes are upon us, that you hear our prayers, that your face is against those who do evil. Right now, our nation and even other nations of the world find itself living in fear of this new political administration. I pray for our leaders that you give them the wisdom and conviction to stand up for your righteousness. I pray for our first responders, for the police and the firefighters, for medics, nurses, doctors, the military, all who are involved in protecting us and serving us. Please keep them strong and capable to provide the protection needed to ensure that we and our children might live our lives free and unafraid. And I pray for the Christian believer that they would live a life worthy of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Try us and see if there be some wicked way in us. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. And I also pray that the Lord would bless you, that you personally would know how much He's watching over you and how much He hears you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.